Today's episode is sponsored by Datadog, the cloud-scale monitoring service that provides comprehensive visibility into public cloud, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud environments with over 250 integrations. Datadog unifies your metrics, logs, and distributed request traces into one platform, so you can investigate and troubleshoot issues across every layer of your stack. Use Datadog's rich, customizable dashboards and algorithmic alerts to monitor cloud migrations in real time. To start a free trial today and Datadog sending you a free t-shirt, visit datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope you all are having a good week. Things are beginning to move into August. We are getting into that month where we're going to start seeing more trade shows. We're going to see the kids go back to school, and hopefully, hopefully it starts to get a little bit cooler, uh, especially for those locations that have been uh, kind of baking in the heat of the summer. So hope you're all doing well. Let's go ahead and get to the cloud news of the week. Kind of a mixed bag this week. Uh, not nearly as many big announcements or big numbers that we've had over the last couple of weeks, but uh, a few things in there that are worth looking into and a, a little bit of uh, drama happening between the cloud providers. So let's get started with uh, a name change. Uh, so Mesosphere, so the company that um, really had brought to market and commercialized uh, Mesos and Marathon technologies, technologies that had originated in Twitter, and we've had them on the show a couple of times, uh, officially changed their name. So they've been going through a transition over the last you know, year or so, uh, kind of moving away from Mesos and Marathon, moving more towards Kubernetes as the rest of the industry has. And they officially named, uh, renamed themselves to Day2IQ or D2IQ for short. So um, if you start seeing uh, D2IQ or Day2IQ, that is the company formerly known as Mesosphere and uh, much more of a focus on Kubernetes technologies uh, for them. So uh, second, um, um, and this was sort of an interesting one, not so much for the, the announcement itself, but kind of the uh, the aftermath of it. Um, Microsoft made some changes to its licensing for dedicated cloud services. So uh, they used to have uh, licensing that was specific that if you had an on-premises license um, and you wanted to move it to a hosting service, um, there were some rules and guidelines in terms of how that was in place. And you weren't necessarily allowed to do that if you moved it to like a virtual service in the cloud. Um, so it was specific to uh, essentially hosted hosting services. And now that we're beginning to see these dedicated hardware services up in public clouds, uh, they made some adjustments for that as well. So, uh, you know, not super new licenses change all the time and so forth. You can read the details in the show notes, but it was sort of interesting to watch um, Werner Vogels, who's the CTO from AWS, uh, make a big stink about this on Twitter, about how, uh, you know, Microsoft is baiting, switching people. Um, People kind of came back to that and said, yeah, you know, maybe they are making some changes, but, uh, you know, AWS is also known for taking lots of open source code from people and not contributing back or, you know, taking money out of people's pockets. So it is fun to watch the cloud providers begin to uh, fight with each other. Uh, it's not rosy anymore as it used to be. I think that just means a uh, an amping up of the competition between all the different cloud providers. We also saw some noise out there about uh, AWS uh, trying to enforce an uh, uh, an NDA or a right to work uh, for a former employee that is now working over at Google Cloud or at least trying to work at Google Cloud. So it is fun to see uh, some some animosity between them. Uh, I know customers don't like to see it out in the in the wild, but uh, it is sort of fun as a as an industry watcher to, uh, to sort of see the competitive landscape uh, pick up and and see people's uh, personalities kind of come out as a result of that. 
Uh, third thing was uh, Amazon, I guess AWS, acquired a company called E3 Storage, uh, Israeli-based uh, uh, startup, about 25 people or so, I think is the number. Um, so a smaller company, but a lot of focus for them on uh, trying to be very efficient uh, and drive optimization for SSD-backed storage. So, um, you know, the, the idea behind this likely is that uh, this will help them Amazon as they move into outposts, um, what they're doing for their on-prem types of offerings, uh, being able to deliver a appliance type of form factor that is baked uh, with lots of SSDs and trying to you know bring the cost down of that and, and drive performance and so forth. So it'll be interesting to watch uh, what happens with the E8 acquisition, so early startup uh, in the uh, SSD space. And then finally, uh, also in the cloud space, um, Google moved into beta their what was called Anthos Migrate. So if you were paying attention to the Anthos uh, announcement, their thing about getting on-prem, uh, there was sort of a side announcement or kind of a you know kind of a partial feature announcement about a migration service. Um, Google had acquired a company that focused on migrations, and uh, they are now moving that Anthos migrate uh, into beta. So we will see more and more, and probably hopefully hear some more details about how Google plans to do migrations from uh, existing applications or VMs into containers. That'll be sort of interesting, given uh, you know containers need to. They're not exactly the same as VMs. You need to understand dependencies and other stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that tooling works. So with that, we're going to kind of wrap up our cloud news of the week. Like I said, it's a mixed bag of a little bit of acquisition, a little bit of new technologies, a little bit of uh, some announcements and so forth. So with that, we have a very, very interesting guest today. Uh, the folks from Learn On Demand Systems, I think, are going to be very interesting for those of you that are trying to figure out, you know, where do I go next in my career? What do I do in terms of learning? What are the next steps I take? Do I uh, double down on technologies that maybe are mainstream today? Do I move towards things that are new? And they have a very, very uh, unique way of trying to help you be very hands-on uh, with your learning and uh, and get, hopefully, faster adoption of some of the new technologies that are out there. So very, very much looking forward to that. Let's go ahead and get to the interview. Today's show is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls and load balancers, a new managed Kubernetes service, and much more. From predictable pricing to flexible configurations to world-class customer support, you'll get access to all the infrastructure services you need to grow your business. Plus, DigitalOcean's community provides over 2,000 tutorials to help you stay up to date on the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks. So to get started on DigitalOcean for free, with a free $50 credit, go to do.co slash cloudcast. That's do.co slash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, you know, as you know, probably the most important thing that we try and do with this show on a week-to-week basis is we're trying to, to make sure that we're educating the listener. We're trying to make sure that as you show up, as you give us your time, uh, you're essentially coming and saying, hey, I want to learn about something new. I want to try and advance my career. I want to I want to get smarter about something. And, and ultimately, uh, you know, a lot of you, while you give us your time uh, on a weekly basis for the podcast, are always trying to figure out how do you be efficient with your time? You know, you don't necessarily have a lot. You're managing your job. You're managing trying to learn new things. You've got family and, and other commitments and so forth. And so we're always out here trying to find for you not only interesting people with new technologies, but also uh, people that are working on ways to hopefully make you smarter, whether it's learning a new skill, whether it's learning how to get towards a certification, whatever you need. And very, very excited today to uh, kind of look into a new way of doing that, some stuff that we're very, very excited about. So very excited to have Corey Hines, who is CEO of Learn On Demand Systems. Corey, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. <clears throat> so um, first off, welcome to the show. Um, you are, um, you know, we've, we've sort of 
dug into not only the the capabilities that Learn On Demand has, but sort of looking at your background, some of the the conversations that you've had, you are you are passionate about helping people learn, and and more importantly, and I think our listeners are going to love this, you're passionate about people learning in a hands-on manner, not just reading books or going to a meetup, but learning hands-on. Um, can you tell us a little about your background and kind of what's kind of what's you know fueled this passion about not only what you do at Learn On Demand, but you know that that hands-on is such an important part of the learning process. Well, if you go back, um, you know, to kind of how I got started, which was many, 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 many years ago, <laughs> um, I, you know, I kind of began my career as a, as a trainer. Um, I, I, you know, I started off and I kind of wanted to uh, actually interesting. I wanted to become a cop, but I was too young. And so the cop school wouldn't take me. So they said, Hey, go do something else. So I went to a little IT school and I went, well, this is kind of fun. And, and I stuck with it. But what I found is that I kind of naturally gravitated towards helping other people. So I'd learn stuff and I go, Hey, let me show you this. Um, and you know, right from there, I think my path was, well, I want to be involved in it education somehow because it just naturally was what I wanted to do. And the way that I kind of was doing this, and this is back, you know, in, in the days of Novell Netware and, and, you know, windows land manager and, you know, way back in the early nineties is I'd say, Hey, let's go, let's go set up something. Let's go build something. Let's learn by, you know, not reading a book. Let's go build it and, and figure it out that way. And I found that if I just went out and built something, I knew a lot more. I learned a lot more. I learned, I was, it was a lot quicker. And so some of these folks that were, you know, studying books and, and taking practice tests and all this stuff, they were struggling. Whereas, you know, I hardly touched the books. I just went in the lab and, and I went in the training room and I just said, oh, I'm going to set up printers and I'm going to set up networks. And I'm going to set up all these things. <clears throat> and so kind of right from there, you know, it, it sort of unlocked this thing where if you do it, doesn't matter what it is, you retain it and you learn it. And so throughout my entire career, it's always been themed around that no matter what it is. Um, even going back to the early days when I was a, a trainer training, um, you know, Windows NT, um, which, you know, again, is a hark back to kind of the mid, late 90s. Right. Um, you know, with all these training courses, they'd have, you know, lecture for an hour, do a lab for an hour, lecture for an hour, do a lab for an hour. What I would do is I'd say, okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to lecture for two days and let's just get through all this stuff. And then we're going to spend the next three days and we're going to build something cool. Yeah. And I had, you know, so many students that would request me as an instructor because they love that idea. They love that idea of, you know, we're just going to go in and we're going to power through all the theory and, and we're going to kind of get aware and we're going to comprehend these big concepts. But then we're going to spend three or four days just playing and come out of that a lot more prepared. Felt, felt like they knew a lot more. Felt like they were just generally more capable because they'd actually done it. Right. Um, you know, and that that sort of mentality led me to, you know, eventually work in all sorts of things. Like I worked with. Um, some of the certification teams for companies like Microsoft and Novell building exams for a while. I've worked in the, you know, the convention circuit, um, setting up the, these hands-on lab training rooms and, and speaking and doing sessions. I've um, sort of done all these things and throughout that process built a software platform that l lets anybody do this, right? Um, if you've ever set up a classroom, it's difficult. Uh, you know, there's it's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of work. Um, and so we wanted to find a way to make that simple make that easy and that's ultimately where learn on demand systems came from uh this notion of you know i want to i want to go into a classroom and i want to give all these people the ability to play with the software they're learning but i want to make it as easy as possible 
to give all these students these really, you know, potentially, they don't have to be, but potentially these really complex environments to, to work in. And, you know, looking forward to where we are today, we're doing this across, you know, the, the, well, the definition of software has kind of changed. It used to be something you install, now it's something you subscribe to. And so how do we, we're doing this across all these different platforms like Azure, like Amazon, um, like Docker, um, across, you know, Windows and, and, and Hyper-V and VMware and, and Linux and just, you know, any type of software platform or container that's out there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's unfortunate that uh, podcasting is, is not a visual medium because I'm just over here sort of like fist pumping going, yep, exactly. That's... I, I think Aaron and I have both always been, uh, you know, hands-on learners. Uh, I think we've always found that, you know, the the best way to learn is, you know, I'm going to throw you in the deep end of the pool. Uh, you're going to figure some things out on your own. You're going to make mistakes, and and seeing those mistakes is important. And and I think you highlight probably the most important thing, which is, you know, it, it's not always as important to to learn all the details of one specific thing, but sort of to learn how to learn. And because the you know the one constant thing we have in IT is is change. Um, I think most people enjoy being in IT because of how frequently things change. And, um, you know, so we love people who, who ultimately, you know, we love having guests on the show who ultimately say, look, I didn't just build something because, you know, I, I wanted to be somewhere on a Gartner Magic Quadrant, but I, I built something because, you know, it, it helped, it was helping me do, so, you know, solve a problem that, that I had. And, uh, you know, and the fact that, like you said, we've moved from, software coming in a box and having to find, you know, servers to go in and to now it's, it's on demand, it's in subscription, you know, the systems have to change uh, accordingly and so forth. So that's, that's awesome that, that that's your background. And, and more importantly, like that you value that as a, as kind of a critical skill to develop as much I, as I, VMware I, I, or Windows. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, my, my first dive instructor a number of years ago told me, he said, the only way you become a good diver is by having terrible dives. Um, you know, and that, that mentality is true everywhere. You only learn, truly learn by making mistakes and getting into trouble. Right. Um, right. but how do you let people do that in a way where there's no consequences where, you know, you know, oops, I deleted the database doesn't mean you get fired. It means you just go, well, let's roll back and let's try that again and let's get it right this time. Right. Um, you know, and, and I just, I just strongly believe in that as a model. Yeah. Um, you know, we touched a little bit on, you know, you, you hit on, you know, just, the way that we consume technology is, has changed and so forth. You know, it's it's on demand. It's not sort of software in a box or a CD anymore. But let's talk a little about how that applies to, to sort of learning and training. Um, for folks that aren't familiar with Learn On Demand, give us kind of the, the spectrum because you, you offer a whole lot of ways to do it. But everything from the labs that you offer to, to the challenges that are out there, give us just a sense of kind of the breadth of ways that you can help people learn. The, I, I like to think of us as kind of the best kept secret in the IT learning industry. Um, there are so many, you know, millions of people a year that use our stuff that just have no idea that they're using it. Um, because what we're ultimately trying to be is a plan. There's, there's, there's a couple of elements to it. But the biggest one is we're trying to be a platform that powers hands-on learning and gives companies that want to produce learning materials a way to do it quickly, easily, and safely and then give their learners access to that those training environments without any friction, right? So if you um, just take a simple example, right? And I'll, I'll use two examples to kind of illustrate how we do this. Um, and, and that'll you know help kind of clarify what we do in a way. So if you want to um, go to Amazon or Azure and practice, you've got to sign up for an account. You know, you've got to, in most cases, put in a credit card. And then when you're done, you've got to make sure you delete the stuff that you created. Otherwise, you wind up with a big, huge bill. 
um, we give you access to Amazon or Azure for the purpose of learning something, one thing, one specific thing, in about five seconds because we've orchestrated the entire backend process. And you know, you want to learn how to, for example, create uh, you know a VM on EC2 or a VM in Azure IaaS. You click a button, you're given a temporary account. You can log on with that temporary account. You can do the one thing you went in there to do, nothing else. When you're done, you walk away, and all the cleanup is done behind you. And you know, for an individual, that's really cool. But for someone who's trying to produce, you know, training environments, it's an incredibly powerful thing. Uh, the the second sort of scenario is, you know, if you're a more traditional software platform that uses virtual machines. If you want to get a virtual machine in front of, you know, 30 people to, to run a training class or a seminar or a workshop or whatever it might be, it's a difficult thing to do because there's big files to move around or there's a lot of setup on a big server you've got to do and you've got to figure out how to get people connectivity into those things in a safe way. So, you know, Bob lands on the one that was meant for Bob. Um, we do all that for you. You simply create a template and we take care of all the deployment across one of the data centers we run. And, you know, within five, five, 10 seconds of clicking a button, they're in that VM that you wanted them to be in. Um, so that's ultimately what the platform does as a whole, right? And you can find us, if you start digging around, um, if you go on, for example, Microsoft Learn, which is their new learning platform, we're some of the back end behind that. If you go uh, take a, a, a certification exam, and that certification exam has real live, what they call performance-based testing, that's us on the back end. If you go to um, one of you know the hundreds of training companies in the world that do anything from Microsoft to Google, Amazon to Cisco to whatever, most likely that's us on the back end that's powering what they do. Um, if you go to one of these big tech conferences and they've got workshops or, or hands-on labs or instructor-led labs, that's usually us powering what they do. So you know that, that's where you find us as a platform. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. And I and I think it, it sort of highlights, the, you know, the importance that we always call out. It's, um, you know, more and more, you, you don't want to just kind of get materials, whether it's like software or, or a book or something. You, you really kind of want to work with people that if you're, you know, if you're trying to learn ops, you're trying to learn some new skill, you're trying to learn automation, that you're working with people that that actively have to do that. They're not just kind of giving yep. you theory. They're they're doing that. And and you know what you're sort of proving on the back end is, um, you know, we we have to live with with Azure every day. We understand the changes they make. We understand the 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 new services that they have in, and we have to incorporate those. And and you do those with other clouds as well. So yeah, no, that's that's very very important. Um, <clears throat> one of the one of the new services that you have out um, that's just fairly recent, fairly new. Um, it's something called IT Pro Challenges, um, yep. and I thought they were they were interesting because there's lots of ways to kind of get trained, um, but you know more and more, and we see this with with every system that we that we interact with, whether it's like you know getting points, uh, you know for for using you know for going to the most hotels or you know kind of this gamification of things. You've created a system that <clears throat> is interesting on on two fronts to me. Number one. Um, you know, it covers this broad spectrum of, of different skills and, and it's got different levels to it. So it's got sort of beginner, intermediate and advanced. Um, but also it's it's really relevant or particularly really relevant to not only the users, but it's it's got it's got relevance to, um, you know, if you're a, if you're a manager and you're trying to help skill people up in your teams or you're a recruiter, a recruiting team, and you're trying to validate if somebody knows something. Um, kind of just walk us through the basics of, of this new IT Pro Challenge uh, 
model that you have and kind of the thought process behind, you know, how do you involve gamification and, and, and these different levels to help people learn faster and kind of motivate them to keep moving up the stack? Uh, so there, yeah, there, there's a lot there's to unwrap. There. There. <laughs> there's, there's a lot there. Um, so to begin with, let's let's just kind of talk briefly about you know hands-on learning. Okay, great. We 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 love it. We know it's the best way to do things. And and traditionally, it's been um, you know there were, there was a term that that was thrown around a long time called a clicker size, right? I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, which was take a document that says click here, click here, click here, click here. Congratulations, you've learned something. Um, and that's been the model for hands-on learning for, you know, as long as it's existed. The problem with that is, number one, it doesn't mentally challenge you. That's one problem. The second problem with that is in the cloud era, you know, the buttons change every other day, it seems. So I say click, you know, save. And tomorrow that might say preserve instead of save. And now my instructions are wrong. And now my students are raising their hand and going, but it's not what it says. And people are confused. Um, that happens on a, you know, a, a frightening degree of frequency in the cloud world. Um, in fact, if you look at just Microsoft Azure, every single configuration blade in Azure is owned by a different person and they've got their own release schedule. So you never know when things are going to change. Um, so the whole idea behind these challenges is we want to get away from, you know, telling you exactly what to do and focus on giving you a goal and then measuring your ability to achieve that goal. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of learning theory out there. And, and this is sort of my version of learning theory, which is, you know, there's sort of four phases, which is um, you consume, you comprehend, you assess and you validate, right? And, and if you're going to go out and gain a new skill, you consume a bunch of information, you make sure you comprehend that information, usually by practicing it somehow, right? And this is your traditional labs or just practicing at home. You then take some practice tests or you, you know, you, you talk to your friend or you go to a user group and you kind of assess your readiness on the technology and then you could take an exam. And it's a lengthy process, right? And, and in the cloud world with how frequently things change, we want to find a way to shorten that process to make it more effective so that you only consume where you need to consume and you assess yourself very early in the process. And so with IT Pro Challenges, you have a product where you're assessed right from the very first interaction you have. So you come into this environment that say, um, you know, let's, we'll use Azure as an example. Um, you come into an environment that says, hey, I want you to go create a, you know, a, 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 a SQL server, right? A, um, you know, a database in Azure. If you know how to create databases in Azure, you're going to be able to do that. And the system's going to going to let you, once you create the database, you say, hey, I've done it. You click the button and the system goes in. It validates the database is there. It validates it was done properly and it lets you go to the next step. If the next step was secure the database and you don't know how to secure databases, you're not going to know what to do. When you attempt to do it, you're probably going to fail and it's not going to let you advance past that step. It's instead going to say, hey, you failed. No big deal. Here's some guidance that's going to let you learn this topic. And once you feel you've learned it, go ahead and try again. And all this occurs within the space of, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And so maybe there's five or six steps in this process, and that, that comprises the challenge, right? Maybe the challenge is, can you build and secure a database? Yep. And there's five or six phases that will have you go So instead of you, you know, attending a lecture on database configuration, attending a lecture on database security, you go right to the point, you know, can I do this? Can I just figure this, this out as I go? Do I have enough background knowledge that, you know, maybe I know most of it, but 
I can figure out the last couple of bits or, or am I totally stumped on this? You know, and when you, when you learn that fact about yourself early, you optimize the entire learning process. You're more mentally engaged. You're more likely to retain things. Um, and at the end of the day, you've accomplished something, right? You've solved a real problem. Yeah. No, I, I like, I like the approach to it. I, I think it, um, it, it naturally goes to our, our human instinct. Everybody who's ever, you know, gotten something, some sort of package, uh, that they have to put together, you know, your, your first instinct isn't to sit there and read, you know, end to end all the documents and, and how to do it. Yep. You, you might look at it real quick and go, yep, that, uh, <clears throat> that table is supposed to look like this. And then you, you get to doing it. And at some right. point, yeah, you, you might fail. The, the legs might be on the wrong end, but, and then you go back to it. So yeah, I, I, I like this approach because I think it, it, again, it plays to sort of our, our natural human instinct, especially in it to be like, I want to work on stuff. I don't want to, and that's, I don't want to want to read about it. I want to get to working on it and so forth. It's, um, it's, it's everything from Ikea I've ever, I've ever bought. Yeah, exactly. 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 I, um, I can do this. This looks easy. Right, right. You exactly. Know, and, you know, an hour later I go, ooh, I got 14 screws I shouldn't have. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and, sometimes that, and sometimes that's okay. Now I, uh, I, I bought a, um, I know you remember the, uh, the old Bowflex workout machines. I uh-huh. bought one of those many years ago and, you know, looked at it. I went, this is, I put it all together and, and, you know, it's got these big tension bows and rods and I'm, it's all done. And I looked down and I go, I've got like nine screws still on the floor. I was afraid to use it. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. You may strangle yourself if you do. Exactly. Now there was a, as I was, as I was kind of digging into, into the challenges, um, obviously there's kind of a personal path that anybody can take on this, yeah. but there was an interesting case study, um, that, that you'd written up, um, from, from one of your, Kind of, I'll, I'll call them sort of like corporate side type of of customers, who was using them as a way of of augmenting their their interview and, and hiring process. So it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to to do the typical corporate thing of like, you know, you get an HR call and a phone call yeah. and then a group thing, and, and you and you're like, oh man, I don't even know if I like this company anymore. I'm, I'm worn out. Talk a little bit about what the flip side of of how people are using this to, you know, somewhat evaluate people, to challenge them if their resume is, you know, legitimate and, and you know, just kind of the other side of it. There's, there's, there's kind of three ways right now that, that folks are using these things. So there's, there's three levels that, that we put them together. And again, this is you know, one of the motivations for building these was also to be best of breed to go, you know, we've got this, this big, rich, elaborate platform. We can do a lot of things, but the bulk of our customers are kind of, you know, and if you're my customer, I'm really, really sorry. They sort of lack the vision to see all that's possible. And so we built these these challenges to go, look, this is how cool you can build a learning experience if you leverage all the tools that we give you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, that was one of the motivations for building them. We see people using them now in kind of three ways. So we built a, uh, a guided version, an advanced version, and, and a, an expert version. The guided version, it, you know, it's just, you know, as you fail, the the quality of the hints and the helps it give you it gives you a little different and guided you know if you fail to do something it's very explicit hey just do this in 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 advanced it's more of a well have you looked at these couple of things because one of them might be relevant and in expert it just goes you know you didn't get it oh well go you know we'll try again later um and so we're seeing those used in a couple of different ways one of them is um you know, training companies will bundle them with regular courses to make the courses better. Uh, but another, you know, what I think is a really kind of cool way and cool, interesting use case is these recruiting companies, right, that want to go, hey, I need to quickly assess whether or not a person has a certain amount of skills in order to bring them into a job. And, you know, the way we, I'll, and I'll look at kind of internally at our own company, the way, the way we hire, have hired developers traditionally is 
you know, we do a series of tech screenings and then we ask them to do a project. And, and you're right, it's, you know, five or six interactions, it takes five or six hours, and it takes a lot of everyone's time. We've now switched the model, which is what this particular customer did to say, okay, instead of, you know, having a lot of these tech interviews, the very first thing we do is say, here's a couple of challenges, right? They'll take you an hour, see if you can accomplish these challenges. And if they're able to accomplish those challenges, we know they've got the foundational skills that warrant moving forward in the process. And we can look at how they scored in completing those challenges to, to kind of rank them against each other, right? Did a particular developer breeze through it in 20 minutes? Did another particular developer take maybe three hours to complete the challenge, right? And, and that's an indicator of maybe their, their knowledge or the skill as it relates to the position. And so we now have, you know, a couple of recruiting companies um, that are, you know, taking that approach instead of doing technical interviews, they open with, great, you want to come work for us? Here's the minimal bar. Here's the way you get in your foot in the door. you got to complete these challenges that validate minimal skill. And if you can't, well, come back when you can. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And there, there's a couple of aspects to this that I, I really like, and it, it didn't necessarily dawn on me until you started talking about it. Um, you know, I, I hear from a lot of people that will go through various interview processes and and there's there's typically a couple of flaws, especially on the on the very technical ones, developer ones. It's there's sometimes a bias about you know kind of the the interaction between the interviewee and the and the interviewer. Um, this takes some of that bias out of out of what might be there um, because it's you have to structure these things towards you know a lot of different types of people. You sort of take it out. It's like hey, I just want to know if you have those skills. Um, and it also doesn't create that thing where. Uh, the interviewers are, are trying to do sort of the stump the chump thing, right? I mean, you're you're having to set certain yeah. baselines. You can, like you said, you can set it at, um, you know, guided or advanced or, or expert levels, but you're not creating unnecessary things just to sort of prove that the interviewer is smarter than the interviewee. So I, I like yeah. I like that. The, the other thing that I love about this, and and I think as, as I'm digging more into it, um, seems sort of unique to 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 learn on demand is there are some companies who <clears throat> are kind of skew themselves towards we're going to be the one just for new stuff. And and they sort of treat things like Linux and VMs and stuff that they may perceive as, you know, kind of old as as worthless. And then you've got some that are like, we're going to we're just going to cater to the people that just want a certification and but when we're gonna we're, we're gonna treat new stuff as if it's some freak show. And you you cover all of them and you treat them all equally. It's it's we come do. in wherever you want. Um, you know, whether you want to be skewed more towards new or skewed more towards mainstream. And, and you don't give anybody that feeling that they're bad for coming in one door or the other. No, it, you know, we, if you look at the, the fabric that we operate in, and it's the, we use the term fabric a little loosely, it's kind of an internal term, but we, um, when we build these learning experiences, they're all the same. The, the tool set is all the same. The methodology is all the same. The way you score, it's all the same the fabric you choose to deploy it on, whether it's you know a Hyper-V virtual machine, a VMware virtual machine, whether it's Linux running in a virtual machine or running in a Docker container, whether it's you know native access to Azure or Amazon or Office 365 or just some random website that you happen to want to train on, right? I wanna train you to search with Google. Um, it's all the same, right? It's just a, a learning environment, a sandbox, you know, whatever term you wanna put on it. Um, and then everything that surrounds it, the scoring, the way the instructions are written, the way it's provisioned, the way it, you made the reporting is all uniform and consistent. We don't care what you learn on. Um, you know, why would my ego be involved in that? Why would I, you know, 
punish the guys that are on VMs, you know, just because they're old. They're, they're not. I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, there's still the bulk of the world infrastructure runs on VMs. Um, and, and, you know, why would I look at the new guys and say, well, you're new, you're not mainstream yet? Because arguably that's where the most learning needs to happen. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. We, uh, for, for folks listening, we are going to put some links in the show notes as we typically do, but we're going to put some links in there uh, that give you free access to some of the labs uh, environments that, that are going to give you some um, some quick ways to get to these. So if you're listening and you're going, okay, I really want to go try this out, um, they'll be in the show notes. No need to worry about that. Um, talk real quick about kind of how you, because obviously the on-demand stuff is is fantastic, but then, you know, if, if financially these are a burden for people, um, just kind of talk real quickly about how you price these so that, you know, people don't feel like there's a whole bunch of friction they can they can get to learning, which is ultimately oh. the thing you're trying to do. Yeah. So there's the, there, there's two elements to that. One of them is the vast majority of people don't, don't really pay to gain access to our stuff because it's usually provided by somebody. Um, so, for example, IT Pro Challenges in many cases are bundled with you know, another training course you, you may purchase, you, you know, you purchase like an Azure training package and they may bundle challenges. Lots of companies are doing that, but we also do sell them directly. So if it's a tool that you want to personally use to just kind of get in there and play with, we do sell a, a monthly and a yearly subscription. There's an all access pass that gives you access to all the challenges we have. Um, and, and all the new ones that we're building right now, there's, there's, I think, and we can, we may want to put this in the notes so we'll double check it. I'm not sure, but there's like 400 available challenges right now. Oh, wow. Um, Huge. across, um, Linux, Azure, uh, Amazon, PowerShell. Um, and then we've got a whole new series that are coming out now on AI. So uh, Microsoft has released a series of AI containers. Um, so we're doing a series of challenges around those because that you know AI is a pretty hot topic right now, and there's there's a distinct lack of learning availability. Um, and then we're also mm -hmm. doing some on native Docker, which is again pretty hot, and also some on native Linux. Very cool. Um, yeah, we just we actually just coincidentally had a show the other day with uh, the folks from Microsoft uh, that that run things like TensorFlow and AI. So uh, yeah, okay. if you liked that show, you, there's now availability to get or very soon availability to start playing yeah, with that. Yeah, we're, we're we're working on getting those built out and getting those released. Um, and they're, they're, they're pretty neat because the, the entire thing run, runs on a back-end container engine. So these things spin up in a matter of seconds. Awesome. Um, and then with our integrated instruction pane, um, we've, we've done a lot of work to make sure that when you – so, you know, and, and this is something we didn't really talk about too much. Um, but when you get in and play with it, you'll see it, um, is, you know, the instructions that every person receives when they open anything that we produce is – it's unique for you. Oh, cool. Um, Very cool. So no, no two sets of instructions are ever absolutely identical. Because no two environments are ever absolutely identical. Look at something that's you know provisioned in Azure, or Amazon, for example. There are elements of it that have to be globally unique. So how do you translate that? And so, mm -hmm. you know, your instruction log on to you know thing named one two three four. Only you will ever have one two three four. Someone else will have five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve and so on. Cool. Very and nice. all the instructions reflect that. You know, there's no placeholder. You know, your server name here. That kind of stuff. We did away with all that ages ago. Nice, nice. Well, listen. Uh, one last question before we before we wrap it up. And again, thank you so much for the time today. Um, you know, generally, if if people come to you, they say, "Hey, I've you know I've been in the industry for a little while. Maybe I feel like I'm a little bit stagnant. Uh, you know, in in either my current job or my learning. Like, what's what's general advice that you give to folks? I mean, I know." We, you know, we talked about being hands-on. We talked about learning to learn. But you know, have you? Is there anything that that you kind of guide people and say, "Hey, th this is just going to help you. It's going to kind of help re-energize you and 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 want to want to keep doing this stuff because it is it is fun, but sometimes it is challenging." 
absolutely. So it, I think the issue that we have now more so than, you know, years ago is, is this, this notion of an IT generalist just really isn't a thing anymore. Um, you know, back 20 years ago, um, Jesus, really that long? Wow. Um, you know, you could get your MCSE and be virtually guaranteed a job because everybody needed a generalist. Nowadays, you know, with the advent of, of cloud, the, the generalist role has kind of gone away. And so what you've got to do is kind of figure out what, what it is you like and then figure out a problem you want to solve, right? Maybe it's, you know, data analysis for, um, you know, for geography-based data. Maybe it's some element of AI. Maybe it's migrating people from, you know, storage in their office to storage that's in the cloud. But pick a thing, pick a problem that, that's out there that folks are, are struggling with and become an expert in solving that one problem, right? Don't worry about everything else. Don't get distracted. Pick a problem, become an absolute expert in solving that one problem, and then market yourself as an expert in solving that problem. Once you, you know, solve the problem once, now you've got evidence, now you've got proof that you can do it, you can now repeat that process. And then as you do that, you now, you know, you've got a skill, you've got a thing that you can go in and say, I can do this. Now you can start focusing on, well, now I can do this. And I've also added these other skills and you slowly build out your portfolio. But, you know, I, I, you know, many, many years ago, I would say, hey, you know, go in and spend like six months learning all the basics. Now I say, find a problem, learn how to solve the problem, be an expert in solving that problem, then begin to branch out, but never, never truly lose your focus, never lose your niche. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I think <clears throat> I agree with you. I think if if you go back to even 10 years ago when we started the show and, uh, you know, being a generalist was useful, but, uh, you know, so, so much of 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 kind of the, the middle of the spectrum, you know, is, is either gotten consolidated into things. It's it's been automated. You know, it's part of a back end service. I know I, th I think that advice of, like you said, pick one thing that you're passionate about, become really great at it. And, and like you said, you can then market yourself to people as um, AI have an expertise today, but you've also proven to them that you're capable yep. of learning at that high level. So no, I think that's I think that's great advice. Um, like we mentioned, folks, um, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, I, I'm sure you're going to want to go out and and uh, and play with some of the systems and, and engage with these. Um, they are all in the show notes. So whether it's the 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 IT Pro challenges or just you know the different lab services that uh, that Learn on Demand has, um, know that they'll be in the show notes. So we will uh, we'll kind of avoid that. Uh, Corey, thank you so much for the time. Uh, love, no problem. You know, love, it was fun. love the passion uh, about what you're what you're trying to do, and, and love, like we said, um, that you guys live and breathe this stuff on the back end, anyways. And so you're not asking people to do anything that that you're not already an expert at. So uh, great advice, folks. With that, we're going to wrap it up. I want to thank Corey and and uh, from Aaron and myself. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling a friend, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 